The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum everyone, welcome to Sister Speak, you're here with me Mariam, also joined in the studio is... Assalamu alaikum everyone, it's Farin, live from the studio, not online now. It's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. It's nice to be back. The studio smells the same, the <laughs> vibes are the same. <laughs> very anecdotal. We're very happy to be back and today's topic we'll be talking about greed and individualism. We thought it'd be quite a pertinent topic being that, especially in terms of the climate that we're in um, and what we're seeing around the world, you can see that those kind of manifestations are quite prevalent, especially when we look at social media and what people prioritise. But as we delve into the show, before we do that, we would like to say what the show is about. So Farine, what is the show about? So our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and even form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture, politics, social media, etc. Please note all opinions and views are our own and we respect all other and or opposing similar views. Yes. So if you do want to join in the discussion, Farine, how can they join us? So you can call us on 015824818822. You can also send us a WhatsApp message if you don't want to be calling at 0779481822. We're also really active on any social media platform. So on Instagram, at Sister Speak, if you have any thoughts after the show or if you want to recommend us some topics that you want to listen to on the radio, you can send us a message, message there. We also have a hashtag going on called thought of the week on twitter so if you want to share your thought of the week we will be reading them out loud and finally we have tiktok as well at sister speak underscore uh, absolutely so if you do want to join the discussion do let us know your thoughts um as Farine mentioned we are on multiple social media platforms but before we do that before we get into the main crux of the show we have a segment called thought of the week and in this segment we talk we talk about something that's anecdotal something that we're thinking about or perhaps just a reflection so Farine, what is your thought of the week what is my thought of the week? I haven't had a really... Ch- uh, you know how I always pre-think my thoughts of the week? I haven't had any t- chance to talk about it. But I think I'm just going to go with... I really like to talk about social media. Anyone who's been here <laughs> listening to the show, I really... is my strong point. Um, so my thing would be to... So everything that's happening right now in the world, we can just post and raise awareness is really important. So raising awareness is never bad and sorry guys we're just setting a bit yeah so raising awareness and using your social media platforms response responsibly is always really important and i don't think anything that's raising awareness or is bringing a bit of focus on an important topic or an important issue going on in the world is always ever going to be too much or too less i think it's just important to post it and you know do your research before you post anything on social media or speak on any political kind of issue i think it's really important especially in the climate that we're in it's really important to critically have a lens in, in terms of where you get your news and to be able to kind of ascertain what is actually reliable and what's unreliable um but we have I just been joined by two special guests. I'm going to consider Sonia a guest because it's been a couple of months, but it's very no, good. No, I'm a presenter. I'm <laughs> back. She's, she's just back. <laughs> that's back. Me, that's my sadness um, that she wasn't here for a long time, but all for a good cause, which we will delve into. Into so, welcome back, Sonia. Thank you so much. I'm happy oh. to be back. Hello, girls. We're happy to have you back. It's been so long. You've been so busy and everything. I know, but we'll talk about it. We'll just talk oh, about yeah. it shortly. <laughs> and we're also joined in the studio by Anissa. Anissa, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you for joining for us today. Me. Thank you for joining us today. And um, so the first segment, we were actually just talking about Thought of the Week, which is just a segment where we just share reflection, something anecdotal, or just an insight. Um, Farine just talked about social media. So, Sonia, do you want to talk, give your Thought of oh, the Week? Oh, my Thought of the Week. Oh, I hate that. I've completely forgot. Sorry, it's been so long. <laughs> she um, hates it. <laughs> no, I love, I love the Thought of the Week. Uh, my Thought of the Week this week would be... Um, I think this is going to be very basic and I've probably said it a hundred times, but take time out for yourself. And even if that's like a, a 30 minute, just dedicate, actually think the next 30 minutes I'm going to do something like have a nice meal for myself or just, I don't even know, whatever it is, journal, watch TV or whatever. It's just 30 minutes to yourself because I think this kind of links into you were talking about social media as well, but there's so much happening all the time, which we consume all the time as well. And the people and the social media and this, but you just sometimes need like, okay, no, me time, just me alone. So yeah, that's my thought of the 
week. I think that's really important, especially in in terms of like now the times have gone forward and we're just so we either we're starting our days in the dark and we end our days in the dark. And it's really important that we just carve some time out for ourselves to ensure that our mental health is all, all okay and our well being is looking after. Um but Anissa, what is your thought of the week? Mine kind of relates to that because I'm a bit like, I've recently learned, like, be happy with what you have while you're pursuing what you want. Because I think every time you reach a goal, you're kind of thinking, about, okay, what's next? And I think sometimes you don't realise, like, I've achieved this. Let me enjoy that moment. So definitely more taking the time to live in the moment and process reality. I think that's awesome. I think all of your thought of the week all tie in together. Yeah. Um, I think being present in that uh, in your in your life is really important as well, because just because it's so easy to be engrossed by what you're going through and not just taking uh, just taking the moment to actually realize that you've achieved the milestones that you've always kind of wanted to do is something that's really important. And that's what's going a good segue for Sonia's premiere, um, which I'm so proud of. Which is my thought of the week is um, is I'm just so incredibly proud of Sonia for p- producing her first ever documentary documentary the first of many inshallah inshallah um and it's just really nice to know that all for the whole year you've been talking about it and it's finally nice to finally see your real product um so i want to ask you like what what's your what was the process like and just talk about us talk us through your whole process oh uh, i could talk about it forever mariam so and we were, i'll happily. try to get like a <laughs> nutshell um obviously it started in like March, April time and I spoke about it on Sister Speak and I was so happy and I shared the news with you guys that I got the commission and ever since then it's been hard work. I'm not... Because, you know, you have full-time work and you have all your chores and whatever it is that you normally do as well but you have to make time, again, make time for things that you are passionate about or you want to do and that's something... When I won the commission, I knew, okay, I'm taking this seriously now. I'm going to dedicate time, effort and energy into it. So I did and there was weekends, there was late nights, there was early mornings and just going back to do the same thing again because don't get me wrong, like filming, that's what I want to do. It's the best, it's the most, like, best thing for me. But sometimes even then you're like, oh, here we go again. It's not done. Here I am back at the same place re-recording this because it didn't work the first time or we've just lost two hours of footage or something. So there is highs and lows, of course, with anything there is. Um, But yeah, overall it's such an amazing experience and I've learned so much. I think I've definitely developed in, like, my creative like kind of career way like development in general Mm. um there's so much that I didn't know that I do know now and just talking to the people in Berry Park was so amazing because it's talking to people that you wouldn't usually talk to on a different level so for example like the person who sells fabric in Berry Park usually you're just like can I get six yards of whatever it is that you need but when you actually say to them like when did you come to this country or when did you open up your shop you find out so many amazing things and you're like, wow, I actually really like you and I really like the story you're telling me as well. So that was really nice as well to develop those relationships and those stories. So that was nice. And um, sorry, I didn't even, I forgot your question. I just started talking about <laughs> no, the whole thing. I think it's really, just like your documentary, very organic. Thank um, you. What I wanted to ask you is, for those who don't know about your documentary and what was it about, um, who commissioned it and what was that process and what does that look like? Okay. It was commissioned by Revolutin Arts and supported by Bloomberg Philanthropy. And in terms of what the documentary actually was about, it was about Berry Park and just the development of the area and being a person that's born and raised in Luton and living in Luton. And the reason why I did it is because I felt like Luton was getting a lot of negative press before that. And just naturally, you have like friends that live out of town. I'm sure you've all experienced this when there's something bad about Luton, they'll send it to you like, aha, this new thing about Luton has come out again and it's bad. It's the worst place to live in the UK or something. That's in quotation marks, by the way, because I don't believe that. Um, and that's kind of why I made the whole documentary and what it's about. That yeah. It's a good place to live. And it's just like any other town, really. Yeah, I think one of the main things that kind of stood out to me is how you wanted to shift the narrative um, around how Luton is just seen as a place that has a lot of negative connotations, but actually you wanted to humanise it and share the stories and celebrate the diversity that we have in our town. Um, I think one of the things that really, what I really enjoyed about your documentary is how organic it was and how the story, how the people in Berry Park were the ones that are storytelling and that shift made the whole entire documentary um 
it was sequential in terms of how the story would kind of unfold. And I just felt, and uh, I think Asam actually mentioned as well that it felt like a Stacey Dooley documentary. Oh, I de- genuinely believe this, the so caliber much. and the skill and the craft of it was incredible. And I really, really hope that, inshallah, this is the first of many, many documentaries. Farin, do you want to have any thoughts on that? Because you were also at the premiere. Yeah, honestly, I had a great time and I can't wait for the, I don't know what the documentary is going to be at, but I can't wait for everyone to see it. And you know how everyone was saying, so in the documentary, Sanya asked a couple of questions and it was like, you know, Bray Park feels so safe, feels so that. And it's like the premiere felt so safe as well when we were all wow. watching it just feel like a little family watching oh. a movie so yeah i'm just i'm so proud of you Sunny, and i'm really really you know like i really like the documentary i really like the premiere as well thank you and well, the, the thing the funny thing is that most of the people that you interviewed i've talked with before when i was in Bury park so it's, it's you know all these people you don't know them exactly you yeah know, so with this documentary you knew like what they think of Bury park are they because sometimes you just think oh they don't like it they're not doing this but in that moment in that documentary you can see that everyone likes Bury park you know it's such a safe place so diverse and everyone was saying nice things about it and i loved also the the little like ev- you know you didn't cut out any you know the natural things where you start laughing or you get things wrong so yeah it did feel really organic and really natural thank you so much i'm really glad that the premiere also felt like berry park in a way because that's what we were trying to do because it was set in the center of berry park the premiere we didn't do it like in a theater or somewhere with like a cinema screen or anything we literally did it in a community center in berry park because we wanted you to feel those vibes um and i'm glad you said it's organic too and i don't know if you remember but we do have we did ask someone what's your pet peeves like what negative points are there because every place in the world will have something that's negative as well and then they do mention it but they also like that's just that's just life life, like yeah yeah, and i don't know if you remember but one of the uh, kids that we interviewed he said well it depends what you do and which crowd you're in which is so true that's very profound as well i think that was a very good reflection because it's how you create your community and how you assert yourself in that space anisa do you have any thoughts did you what did you manage to come i also had the pleasure of being there and it was really like what you did in the movie is what you also did in that room like the diversity and like the way you have brought people together and it was just so nice sorry it was just so nice to see that yeah the way you bring people together in your movie and in that room and I think it's what you said you kind of showed all the goodness of why Luton like can be such an amazing place to live in the community feeling of it yeah thank you so much yeah. um, so I have a question for you okay um, do you go to oh, this is the documentary now I'm just going to do the documentary okay. like, <laughs> go for it <laughs> do you go to Berry Park and if so why um, I can't say I go like so often but definitely when there's a reason like say if it's for Eid or like a wedding like you know I do go to the shops and see what I can buy for outfit wise um, but again like in terms of especially what we eat and stuff like that Bow Park is a place to go because like, yes. like authenticity like the places where you come from like it's all available there in Bow Park and we're kind of fortunate enough that we have that so close to us definitely yeah because a lot of people our roots. <laughs> I agree with you and a lot of people don't have that accessibility to mm-hmm. have somewhere to go if yeah. they do want the clothes or the food like yeah, you exactly, mentioned yeah. yeah and what about you Farin? I'm always in Bow Park <laughs> it's my yes. like you said it's my main trip for outfits for everything now that I'm living out on like on campus and university you, I don't have that you know comfort wow. so whenever I have to buy for example halal meat I have to take a bus and I have to travel like 40 minutes to wow. uh, Haze or whatever it is because in this place <laughs> that I live there's no halal meat so obviously I miss that comfort because in Bury Park there's everything what, what's there to miss in Bury Park yeah and see saying something like that you really realise like how like uh, the advantage that we do have yeah. having Bury Park it's a privilege at your in some sense yeah because we get to have that still a part of our like actual like you know our home our roots still within uh, you know, what do we call it? I get what you're trying yeah, to you say. Know, yeah. Like, we're not in Bangladesh or Pakistan or India or whatever it's South it's Asian diaspora, like but yeah. you have that feeling you have there. That little bit of, yeah, your home. But then on that, Mariam, I'm literally taking over now. But do you would you say that there's things there that are for people that aren't South Asian? I think, I think it is predominantly South Asian, but I do think it's it's accessible for everyone. Um, I think it's it's very welcoming. People are very welcoming and very people are intrigued. If, if other people that don't come from the community, they're very welcoming and hospitable, and they want to share their stories or they want to be able to welcome them into the shop. So I think in that sense, no one closed their doors. I think everyone's open. It's just you have to be proactive and go there. 
So, you know what, I, a lot of footage was cut out because naturally with the film, footage is cut out and such good things that I couldn't include. Like, it literally kills me because I'm like, that should have been in the thing, but you have to, right? So maybe there'll be bloopers, maybe I'll put another... Yeah, I could, honestly, I could, or like a behind the scenes or just a compilation of, here's some other clips that you just never got to see. So one of them was a shop owner and he is in it, but just a little bit and he's in a cash and carry I think and I said to him do you think there's pe- things sold here or not sold but like anything in Berry Park where a non-Asian person can enjoy and achieve and he said yeah we sell toilet tissue <laughs> and I literally died. I was like what do you mean by that he goes every person in the world needs toilet tissue so it's not just for Asians <laughs> is it oh, he's absolutely right he's absolutely right so it's still shopping at the end of the day right yeah. like just normal essentials and food everybody eats as well so yeah I definitely think that there is I mean, I know I would say there is something for everyone in Berry Park, but oh, yeah, yeah, honestly, and he said he's got really good prices as well, oh, so okay. <laughs> it's good to know. Where was he during COVID? <laughs> he was there. He was there. was there, and now he's still here in the cost of living crisis. So you know, if you guys need toilet tissue, go to Berry Park. Um, but yeah, there's so much footage that I would love to just share. What was further. one of the one of the footages that you really wish that was part of it that couldn't unfortunately be part of the? documentary so much. I mean I think one of them for me is um, if you guys remember there was a MMA fighter and trainer mm-hmm. that teaches only female classes and she has so many achievements that I would have liked to speak about more and highlight more so um, she was on the front cover of a magazine as being someone that teaches only fe- like it was the fact that she is a Muslim hijab wearing woman teaching female only MMA classes that was highlighted on the magazine and she was in the front cover and I was like that's so so amazing this is like a nationwide magazine I think it was international and then also I kind of mentioned this in the premiere date as well she was it was like in collaboration with Nationwide the bank like that is huge huge exactly that's a huge huge achievement and I wanted people to know that as well obviously like like I said you can't include everything but um that's um, Hasina Rahman and she she's going to do amazing anyway but it's like stuff that I would have loved to include in the documentary um there's loads of other things as well just people on the street saying funny stuff like there was a couple of Bengali guys in a grocery store and they in depth were describing <laughs> what a jackfruit is and we call it khatol and they were just going in on it and like oh you have to come but in Bengali like enjoy this khatol and we didn't have time to like add subtitles for the translation part of it so I was like okay it's fine just cut it out but I would have loved to include that as well I think that's really sweet as well that they they take pride in the in the fruits that are, I guess quote unquote exotic, but it's actually for home for them. And the fact that they want to describe to you, okay, this is a fruit that's special in our country. I think it just shows like the the welcome that they want to do to people, and the fact that they want you to they have a sense of belonging to their to their home, to their heritage, and they want to share that with everyone. I think that really shines in Berry Park yes. because everyone has their own little homes, but then they all come together and create that community. And I think that manifestation is seen a lot. Um, especially in times of Eid and celebration. And, and as you mentioned in the documentary, um, when there's cricket matches and things like that, I think people all come together. But quite similarly as well, when there's a devastation, dev- devastating kind of thing that's happening in our community, everyone also comes together and everyone mourns together and grieves together. Or even that whole group that called Keep Luton Safe, yeah. that came out because you know there was a lot of things happening in Luton that wasn't safe and so therefore taxi drivers came together and patrolling the, the streets to make sure that the people are safe in Luton and that's how it derived and I think that's what's so beautiful about Luton I think it's very intrinsic that we have that community feel didn't add a thought no yeah I, first of all I didn't know that it was the taxi drivers that said this that is that it, it started off like that yes so they said we're going to come together and patrol the streets yeah we're going to just to keep our eye out just to see you know if if anything kind of uh, you know is unsafe um, and then you can report things and then it became it became larger and then there's admins and all that oh, kind yeah, of there's mechanisms. like a Facebook page there's a Facebook there, page like but that how it started off because there was a lot of um unsafe activities that are happening. This is what you need to do, take action as a community, right? And I think Berry Park is definitely one of the few places where I do feel like community vibe. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of people that came from out of town. So we had people come from London, Surrey and Milton Keynes, so not in Luton. And they said, just watching the documentary alone, I could feel the community vibe and spirit. And whether you're not part of it on a daily basis, you don't have to live there, but even just being there and being present there, you can feel the vibe, right? I'm sure you can all agree with that. Yeah. And it's a good thing because you don't get that everywhere. Sometimes you need it. Like you're saying now, you live out for uni. I'm sure sometimes you're like, you know what? I could do with a little 
homely, warm yeah. vibe. <laughs> and I just added something. You know, um, sometimes when, for example, I'm just going to take, for example, my parents. So when we thought of coming to the UK, language is a barrier for my, not from both my parents, but, you know, it's a bit difficult for the English and all of them and all of that. So when we came to Luton, everyone literally speaks Urdu, which is the language <laughs> my parents speak. And obviously in Bori Park, everyone speaks Urdu. So it's just so comfortable to be there. You know, you always thinking, how am I going to speak in English? How am I going to yes. ask for this? And my, <laughs> I remember my mom used to, Ask me how to, uh, you know, ask stuff like how, how much is this, how much is that, and uh, you know, she got there and she got, she was just so comfortable straight away speaking Urdu, and it just reminded her when she was living in India. And just gonna share something really quick. Uh, when we went to Bari Park the other day to buy, buy some suits for a party or whatever, the um, what do you call it, the storekeeper thing? Yeah, the yeah, shopkeeper. Like yeah, the, yeah, the shopkeeper. Sorry, he was so funny that we we weren't gonna buy anything initially, but he just started calling us from the street. So we said that he gave us his whole like we gave him our whole life story, <laughs> and he gave <laughs> his life story to us. And then we didn't buy anything, but we just talked it for so nice. like yeah. forty five minutes, and it was just so funny. Yeah, that's all I wanted oh, to say. Just about that comfort. That I just felt that comfort. That. Yeah. Which shop was it? It was the Memsab. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I feel like I've experienced that too. You go to them and then like they'll be so friendly and even if you go to an event they'll ask about everything and everyone and then you'll just be like, I've just told you so much. But like you said, you didn't even buy anything. You don't have to buy anything, but you just had a good chat with them. So yeah. yeah. You just have that lovely safe feeling. You know, nothing's mm. gonna happen. I'm just having a good chat. That's so lovely. I think that community feel is something that's very special and, ex- and I wouldn't I wouldn't say exclusive but I think it's very special to Luton and especially when you work outside of Luton and if you're working in London or any kind of city you forget that community touch and you and no one wants to talk to you and when someone does talk you surprise you're so so surprised oh you can talk to me are you talking about when you're traveling on the tube and stuff <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one has time to talk to you They're no one has like time rushing past no but yeah. even when I was traveling like uh, recently I, I went up north um People were so helpful and so kind and generous, and I was so shocked. I was ext- I was flabbergasted. Wow, you're talking to me. <laughs> you're talking to me. I was so surprised, and I thought, wow, people are actually just so kind and generous. But when you're in, when you work, when I work, I work in London. I just think everyone's just so individualistic, and this is why we're going to talk about it in our next half of the show. Yes. Um, because everyone is just so engrossed in their busy lives that they don't have the time to even ask or consider someone else. And I think that's something sometimes is very problematic. And I think I want to restrain my reflections a bit later on. But I do genuinely think that, you know, it's, it's so comforting to know that I come home yeah. and I come to a community and it just feels like home because that sense of belonging isn't just, you know, me being a British Muslim, but my heritage as well. Um, I think that's really important. I think once you kind of move around, you kind of kind of have that appreciate reflection. It more, yeah, you appreciate yeah. it. And you said, do you have any final thoughts or thoughts that you want to share? It's exactly what you're saying, because I'm sorry, I'm going through that right now where I've worked in London or like working from home for like the last three years. And now I'm back in Luton, like yeah. in a job. And I literally realized, OK, how much like it's actually really nice to be working in like a local community. You're not just a number in a company, like in the food chain stuff. You're actually a person and you matter. And like you can build that like feeling with your team. So I think mm. that's so nice to have. Yeah. More on that, actually, because since you've worked in London and you're working in Luton, what kind of the differences have you seen in terms of just like management or even like group settings and team team kind of ethic, I guess? Yeah, I think it's what you say, like you will always be like you're a bit of like a number as much as like, you know, people will be nice to you. You'll never get that like comfort feeling like if something really was happening at home, could I actually go to my manager? Like I never felt that when I was working there, maybe because I was also working from home like a lot of the time as well but I never ever got to that level whereas here I feel a bit like people genuinely want to look out for you probably because they have the time I feel like when you work for these big corporations like no one really has the time like again it comes back to being a very like all for yourself yeah well that's really interesting and I, I think one of the things that you kind of pointed out is you worked from home from both companies and the one that you work for Luton you have that sense of belonging but when the one that you're working in London yeah. um, is that because of the, the, the size of each company um, like you just mentioned yeah it definitely would be that but now no so in the Luton one I'm actually working in the office so oh, that was right, a big like leap of faith I took I was like you know normally people want to work from home but I took that leap of faith and it's actually so nice that I have that but again it comes back to you're right I think it is maybe the size of the company and stuff like that when you're working for a smaller business but mm. I think overall I think it's just a safety net like you feel like in your mm-hmm. home and I think I'm glad because I did it the opposite way I'm glad I went London first lived because I did also <laughs> love that there's good things about that as well I'm glad I did that and then now I've come back to home whereas I feel like when you do home straight away you always get that craving like what's more is out there mm. 
Sonia, do you have a th- quick thoughts? We've got two minutes left for this oh, one. Two minutes? Sure. Oh, gosh. Um, no, I, it's so interesting to hear what Anissa has said. I think the way she phrased it as well, like, it is true when you maybe work in Luton or nearby, you might think, what else is out there? But Anissa's saying she went to London, she did the commute or big corporation and so on, and she's like, actually, I'm quite enjoying working closer to home now. Um, But it it just just depends on the individual, right? I guess everyone's different and... It depends what you're looking to do in your career as well. Yeah, I think I think absolutely right. For me, because I haven't worked in uh, in Luton, so I don't really have any personal reflections. Um, but I do want to ask Farine, but she, although she hasn't worked, and only you've got a minute to, to tell me your thoughts, it's like, what's the differences now of living in the community that's away from Luton? And just because you actually were from Spain and you moved to Luton and now you moved again. Yeah, she's always moving. Um, yeah. You've got 50 seconds. Uh, I'm just going to say I feel really comfortable in Luton in the <laughs> last 50 seconds, and then in London there's no community feeling. Because I go to a university with my sister then... That's my community. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, because, oh, oh, like, there's so many people, you know, obviously, they come from different places and everything. I'm going to talk really fast. <laughs> but, yeah, Luton is safe. There's a big community if you like Luton. <laughs> I mean, calm, it's fine. You talk fast anyway. You it's put so much pressure on it. <laughs> pressure, okay. Yeah, no, honestly, it's great. It's, I, it's a really safe place. Obviously, my parents, you know, my family is here and everything. So, I do kind of get up homesick. But I have both of both best words. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Thank you, Anissa. Are we done for the first half of the so show? I think, I think kind of the reflection is that we have, have experienced both. And I think one of the things that I feel like I really want to speak about in the next um, half is about how we felt a sense of community versus individualism. So we do look forward to having you on the next half. See you in the next half. Inshallah. You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Ya hala ya everyone welcome back to Sister Speak you're here with me Maram also joined the studios Farine and Sonia um on the first half of the show we talked about Sonia's new documentary that she's produced and the premiere of it and our reflections on community and on this half we're going to be speaking about greed and individualism um i think it's quite a good dichotomy to kind of con- compare the two um, so I'm going to start off just right into it. I'm going to ask my first question, which is, how do you define greed and what does it mean to to have greed in your life? Oh, um, I would define greed. I mean, I made the plan, so I kind of <laughs> I kind of read the definition. I forgot now, but I would describe it as trying to chase something when you have everything at the expense of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a very really profound. good definition. Thank yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's that would be my definition of greed. Just trying to chase for something, even though you have I don't know a roof over your head and all of this, and at the expense of other people's. How would you say other people's lives, other people's business? Just at the expense, expense of, of other others. people. Yeah. Others, yeah. What about yourself, Sonia? Well, I think Farine has got the most concise and perfect definition. Now. I think so as well. But how does that manifest in your life in reality? If I heard just um, greed alone, I usually think of when something or someone or like an object or a corporation or a person wants too much and again if it if it's like gonna affect someone negatively Mm. but just wanting too much i think is just greedy yeah i think a lot of the times i attribute to when someone wants too much and it affects their moral compass i think that's when it when i think about corporation that's when i think about okay well you're thinking about profits and competitiveness but then you're not thinking about the moral implications and then that's when i think that's greed because is it necessary or is it just an a want um i think that's how i kind of measure that but even within my own life um in just even the mundane things like do i really need to eat this much food oh wow yeah i really don't i can uh, yeah i get greedy and it's 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 something that like you're kind of succumbing to your desires because you know you can buy all this food and you know and you probably can't eat it but yeah, i feel like that comes from a sense of greed because you're just being greedy you're just being greedy <laughs> you, know, like, yeah, you just want to show everyone that you have it oh it's not even it. showing her everyone maybe if you want to put it in social like media fulfilling a desire, desire. it's just yeah. fulfilling a desire but I think irrational desire sometimes just to see yeah, one. I think it's kind of interchangeable sometimes. Um, so that's how I look at it. But in terms of um, when you're thinking about in in uh, in terms of like morals, um, do you think that having a, a value system helps you kind of navigate greed? 
A value uh, system as in your family and all of that? Your principle, however you define value system. So for me, my value system would be, it derives from religion and my principles, or even just generically, do you think value systems impact your, the way you, um, you know, look at greed or how you kind of navigate it in your own life? Um, my value system, obviously with uh, religion is a big thing. I think my dad has really taught me to, you know, just be satisfied with whatever you have. You know, we don't have, we, uh, we don't lack anything. We have water, we have electricity, we have everything. There's so many people out there who don't have this. They're being, you know, snatched away. But this is human rights, basically. You're having water, having electricity, having a house. And so if you have that, I think you're never, I don't think you're ever going to be satisfied completely with your life, but you have to be satisfied with what you have and be really grateful for everything that you have. So that is something that my dad has taught me. He's been so through so many things, you know, in his life. And uh, one of the things that I'm grateful for is, you know, everything that I have now. So definitely my dad has really taught me to not be greedy in life. And But he's never taught me to not be ambitious. It's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, there's always a balance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with Farine. I think... In terms of moral com- compass and values, obviously religion is the biggest one. But also I think I go to the fa- family a lot, mm. whether it be mum, dad or sisters, uh, even friends sometimes. You can just check in on them like, do you think this is right and stuff? Like you can, I think people do that a lot. You check your own moral compass and stuff like, am I in right or wrong? Like my peers will tell me, the people who care about me will tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, but yeah, I agree with Farine. Like I think a lot of it comes from just a parent telling you like stop that it's greedy yeah yeah <laughs> so the question was oh did Sonia um yeah but I kind of got the just from you guys no I think it's what you say like you should be like you should want things and have goals and stuff but I think to a certain extent where you're not compromising your morals like you're doing everything but you're not thinking let me sacrifice all these other things to get there like sacrifice people and time so I think it's like, like everyone said it's about balance have you ever experienced a relationship or an instance where you thought greed is something that you just want to stay away from and and that was quite a defining moment for you that was so greed was it impacted you negatively um and i don't know how it manifested it could be relationships it could be an instance but that was a defining moment where you thought wow greed can really have implicate you I think I'm going to say when I started working, obviously I was working part-time and I was, you know, studying and everything, but I was watching everyone, the rest of my friends having these jobs and like getting paid more than I was. So all I wanted to work more hours, work more hours, and that started, uh, you know, uh, showing negatively in my exams that I started to not do my homework, all because I wanted more money, I wanted more hours, I wanted to show that I was working. So obviously my dad was like, this has to stop, yeah, you can't do this. So that was one of the times where I was like, I was chasing so much stuff that it wasn't that important. Like at that time, I had everything. I didn't need that extra money. But I was just chasing that all the time, and I just wanted to show everyone, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, that was one. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I think I'm being really vulnerable at that, about that, because I think that kind of manifests in different ways, especially the more you work. I think competition culture is yeah. one of those manifestations. Um, Anissa, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think when, you've get, when you're young and you get your first job, it's a bit like another side of independence. Like, you know, you get this thing, you're like, I've got money and sometimes a lot of us are in like good positions where that money we can we just need to spend it on ourselves so we spend it on ourselves so you do get a bit like not I would say greedy maybe materialistic and you know you try and treat yourself and you get kind of lost in that and then at one point you have to take a step back you're like okay it's not all about things I have to use my money wisely I have to have like you know use my brain a little bit so I think that's another thing I saw myself getting a bit lost be like I'm a bit independent now before if I used to have to ask someone like now I can just go out and buy it myself true Definitely that, learning that. Um, I think for me, um, I can't really think of any examples, but if I'm thinking of the whole topic, it would be during school time. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, aside from grades, which we should all have ambitions to get good grades and so on, I think with the extracurricular, because I took part in every single after-school club and activity that you can ever imagine, anything there was, like ambassador for this, event day this, I applied, I applied. I think part of that was sometimes comes to greed some a little bit of greed a bit of like showing off i think or like i got it and you didn't or mm. i've got this many things how many things did you take off under your belt you know farine's nodding she gets yeah, me she gets me yeah the I overachiever the extracurricular student that's we just have to take off every single thing we could find sometimes it was like was that actually for your development and did you genuinely want to go to that or was it just another i need to achieve this and for get it LinkedIn. under my belt yeah well linkedin <laughs> but like high school times right yeah. so <laughs> I don't know what we had then, but, you know, exactly. You get where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I think some of it was just like, you're just,
just being greedy now or you're just trying to one-up someone else was not for your personal benefit or gain. Oh, that's really interesting. Did you think that applied to you when you were in university? I imagine you would have been involved in a lot of things in university. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think it applied at uni at all because the university, the actual content is so difficult and hard that you're like... No, but in terms of extracurricular? No, because extracurricular is actually for releasing stress and having fun, not ticking up. For me, it wasn't like a... I would only ever go if I wanted to go, mm. not a, like a... T- and it's too big to compare. Whereas in school, I feel like you know everyone in your year at one point, mm-hmm. so you can... You know if that person's done that thing, so you can compare it in your head. This yeah. is where my greed came in. I don't know if it talks about... You know you feel like you've spent so much money on tickets, so you need to utilise the time spent Ticket at uni for, for university. Because uh, right. like, if you commute... And I was like, okay, I need to get involved in stuff, so I utilise <laughs> the money I'm spending on my ticket. Like, my you know if I'm getting a day ticket, okay, I was like, you know, I guess I only have like two classes, but like maybe like actually spend the whole day, even the evening there. So I think I had a bit of that mindset sometimes. I think that's efficient. I, I think, yeah, that's, I think that is efficient. Okay, yeah, not greedy. Not actually, greedy. That's, that gives, that's a good segue for my next question because, and I'm going to say it to you, Anissa, now. Uh-huh. How do you differentiate between healthy ambition and unhealthy greed? Um, I think it does come back to like how much you would sacrifice in terms of morals and times. Like, healthy ambition is like goals you have for yourself, <clears throat> as in like for yourself, like, and it's all about like bettering yourself. Whereas I think with greed, it's like it's only like self-serving. With like, I think you know when like you hear about someone that has goals and stuff, like, oh, I want to make myself comfortable for like my future, my family. That I think when I hear these kind of things, it's so nice or when people are like oh yeah I need this for myself I need to spend it just on cars like you can have balance of both but when people only want to spend it on materialistic things like it's not a bad thing but it's like you can tell where their kind of happiness and like their source of like mm. greed comes from so I think it's just finding that kind of balance I would say Sonia do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's a fine line. It's really hard to tell sometimes if it's, um, what did you say, healthy ambition Against and unhealthy healthy. greed. Yes. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because yeah. a lot of, I hate the word greed. I don't think anyone should be greedy, but sometimes it's a motivator because if you're, I don't want to use the word greedy again, but if you really want something and you know it's going to be good for you, it's, it's, there's like a fine line. Like it's an ambition, it's good for you, but it's also, you're greedy for it. Does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know. know. I think greed is yeah. such a strong term. It's a strong and word. It's yeah. a very strong term. And I think it can't be used interchangeably in terms of someone wants, someone's really passionate about okay, achieving yeah. certain, certain something. Um, but then again, uh, I think Anissa mentioned, mentioned that it should have been the expense of compromising your morals or compromising how you view other people. Um, and especially if that makes you, it, it makes you feel like you're elevating yourself to just to undermine other people that's when you well, do it's just so like self-serving like you don't even worry about anyone else but yourself I think that's a major thing yeah. like, I'm not saying it's not wrong you should put yourself first sometimes but I think when you just have that thing where like if you if there was ever an opportunity and like you literally it was about like you know only you only you can have like a win in it and no one else I think that kind of mindset is really bad yeah I think yeah. one of the things that we speak a lot about radio in our radio show is that if you get an opportunity and you see an opportunity you should share it with other people and you should bring everyone to the table and you extend the table as opposed to just wanting yeah. yourself on that table um, so I think that's really important I think the next thing I want to kind of talk about is what kind of the strategies that you you all of you have kind of developed as you're going through your education through university um, that's helped you kind of achieve certain ambitions um, despite having this kind of external pressure to validate whether your ambitions are um, worthy of, you know, social media or just just worthy of some uh, people's social perception. Okay, why did you all look at me? <laughs> um, I'll start, but you all have to answer the question. Of yeah, <laughs> I think um, this sounds so basic, and it is really hard to get in your head, though. Is that you nobody really cares it's so hard to get into your head though yeah. because you can't help but think but they do though or like the comments are being made really and truly they're really deep down it's a strategy because you have to remember it and internalize it remind yourself that actually you don't you shouldn't worry about what other people think first of all they shouldn't care and they don't really care and they move on and people have their own problems in life but also do not let that be any kind of factor in your decision making process that doesn't mean you're close circle and that doesn't mean the people you value so obviously parents family friends that you actually think want good for you but i'm talking about outside of that don't try and just think that i need to do what's right for me not what looks good to a third party far away yeah this is a hard one but that's one of the strategies i'm going to think of some more while everyone else answers. i think a major thing for me recently has been like sometimes when i'm traveling and like when I'm traveling on holiday and then sometimes like you know I find myself so invested like trying to capture it not even 
for social media. Okay, it is for social media, but for my memories. And then I'm like, I'm not actually, again, like you said about being present in the moment. So I kind of like, that kind of me, I don't know if you call it greed or like social perception and stuff. And you're like a bit like, I take a back seat myself. I'm like, I'm going to actually enjoy the moment. I'm going to put my phone away and stuff because, but then I also want like, okay, now I need to put something on social media. But like, and they only see the good parts. They don't see the part where I'm literally like, dying in the heat like like you know literally fighting flies and stuff so i think it just i i know what you're trying to say sometimes you think about living this like show life but then you have to realize okay what is actually just making you happy like again like you said people actually don't care like they scroll past you like nothing i do i do tell yeah people. i it's a difficult one for me because i'm just a family person so everything that i do in my life i always ask everyone in my family and if they don't like it i'm not gonna do it mm. i don't have that self yeah, how do you say that self, you know... Oh, you're not autonomous yet. Yeah, like, I don't want to... I don't... I, don't, I hate making decision, decisions by myself. And I always have to go through it to my dad, my mom, and my sisters. Those are my three people. And if they all agree, then that's great. I'm going to do it. If one of them is disagreeing, then there's a problem. I have to do something. I have to make... Then it doesn't matter if I'm getting stuck in the process or I don't like the process or anything like that. I always do it. Because I always have that anxiety that if it doesn't work out or anything then it's going to be on me that I took that bad decision. Does wow, that make sense? So it's it's really something that I have to work on because I feel like it does take a big toll on my mental health because instead of thinking what I am I want to do, what is going to make me happy in my life, in my career, for example, is you know, more important than what my parents are going to do. So, yeah. Do you think that shifted um, a little bit as, as you've gone to university now and you have to take decisions independently, especially when you're in, you're in your first year, you've moved out, you're responsible for your education. University is not going to chase you up as you were in sixth form. And do you think that has kind of um, developed a little bit more, your ability to make those decisions? Or do you think you feel challenged, the fact that you have to? It's a weird one because academically, but I've always been really independent. I've always, you I know, I, if there's an assignment or anything, I, I'm always like doing it. And I joined a week late to the university. So I catched up literally the day I came back. So academically, I'm always really mm. independent. It's just my decisions in life. What uni I'm going to, what I'm going to study, what do I have to do in the week? It's just, it's a bit tiring sometimes. But if I don't do it, I have so much anxiety of what my parents are going to think. And mm. uh, I don't know if obviously i talked about this on the radio before but when i was changing unis that process of you know going through through clearing changing my career from law to computer science took such a big like toll my mental health and i remember i started losing hair i couldn't talk oh, with anyone it was, yeah it was horrible honestly so and th- that was and i feel like that was a sign for me that you know i have to start making the decisions by myself and if i made the right decision from the beginning i wouldn't have been in that position so yeah it's a process Farine it is yeah I think one of the things my kind of reflections on that is I think that kind of derives from our cultures back home where everyone kind of comes together and makes a decision for a person Um, and sometimes that's quite that's kind of intrinsic in a lot of people's perceptions and mentalities and that's what they bring here Um, and I think by different families have a different dynamic in terms of how they enforce that but I think I just want to ask about your experiences where you had to make a decision that was independent and was for individual for yourself uh, against perhaps, um, let's just say, your community or your, your family in this sense. Um, and how did you navigate that? I actually had something to add to the last question. Go ahead. Do you go want ahead. Me to? No, Sorry, go ahead. it's confusing. No, because you asked what kind of strategies do you use to... To navigate that. To navigate greed or like those desires, those greedy desires and so on. And um, one thing I just remembered is that whole it's a it's a quote and i think it is islamic as well which is like what's meant for you will never pass you mm, yes. and, and it's so profound and it's not just like i said not for me isn't just that islam i think is true is true in every way in life and so if you feel like that's one thing that you say greedy is a desire and so on and it's not working I would say don't worry because if it's not meant for you then it was not meant for you but what's, what is meant for you will okay. never pass you yeah. so it will come eventually it's a process things will happen for you it's a process which is what I said to you as well yeah and I think that's something I would say to young to my younger self or to younger people because you, you just want to rush you can't help it everybody wants the thing and they think I have to do all of these things to achieve it and it's like sometimes if you do what's right and you know little steps that you take for your own career or progress or whatever it is you will get there eventually or what's meant for you will come for you and will never pass you so that's just some ease to give to yourself because at the end of the day you can keep chasing everything forever and you'll never end so you just need to have that like relaxed 
But yeah, I just added that to that. And last question, you can do the next one now. Anissa, I feel like you wanted to add something. No, um, no, uh, no. I think she kind of summarised that really well. Yeah. Now, uh, what I was going to add to that as well is I think what we're kind of getting through this show is that desire is, some, is a huge motivator of greed. Mm. Um, and it's when desire, when you become enslaved by desire, that's when greed kind of manifests. So I think that's something that I think throughout the show we kind of talked about. Um, especially for young people, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of, we have access to all these desires. We see it on social media. We see it in our day-to-day life. And it's all we want. Um, and especially when we don't have access to it, the kind of the vigor of it feels a lot more and it's more edgier. But as you grow older, you realize, actually, we don't really require that. It's not really necessary. And especially in the kind of political climate we're in and we're seeing the tragedies that are taking place across the world, we kind of realize that we have so much to be gra- grateful for. And I think that's one way that I can combat greed or mm-hmm. just having that, those desires just being gr- grateful for what you actually have um, the fact that we're able to safely go home, the fact that we have a- are able to access water, the, fa- the fact that we have food on the table it's, some, it's a huge privilege and we're seeing that everywhere right now um, so that's kind of my thoughts on it but going back to the question that I wanted to ask about community since um, Farin was talking about how her family and everyone gets involved in terms of decision making I just want to ask Sonia and Anissa, um, were there instances that's happened to you and uh, where you had to navigate a decision that you wanted to make independently? However, uh, there was conflict within your home or people that you care about um, who could not understand those decision processes. And you don't have to be specific in terms of examples, but just vaguely kind of touch upon how you navigated it. Um, I think, yeah, as I'm getting older, one of like, as much as all of us, you know, we wish we can like relive our childhood and stuff. But as I'm getting older, I think the beauty of it is like, you get wiser, like I'm the youngest in my family. And I feel like as I got older, as I got wiser, I'm making independent decisions. And like, sometimes, you know, alhamdulillah, some of them have been the right decisions. Like, you get that respect from your family where you kind of get like, okay, they trust you to make your own thing. So I've been fortunate to have that. And I feel like, one thing I've learned in life, even if you make the wrong decision, as long as it's your own, I feel like it doesn't hurt as much. So I think I'd always say to someone, obviously take people's opinions into consideration, but at the end of the day, like you're the one that's gonna have to live every situation in your life. So really just focus on like making your own thing. Yeah. I love that. I think that's what it is. I think there's no such thing as a wrong decision, it's mm. just a learning opportunity. Sonia, what's your thoughts? Um, in terms of the original question, I can't think of a time. I mean, because I'm like Farine. That's why when you said it, I was saying, wow, in relation, like I can relate. I always just naturally, you can't help it, but yeah. you check in with like five different people. Like, yeah. is this the right thing? Should I do this? Should I do this? And yeah, sorry, I guess it's a general answer because I can think <laughs> yeah. of specific things. Yeah, but I think as I am getting older, again, I think it is a it's a good thing about getting older something to look forward to you do get wise and you do feel more responsibility because what you said Farine was oh if I make this decision on my own then it's all on me if it goes wrong but it's like no that's a that's a good thing it's a good thing if you act like an adult people will treat you like an adult it's true yeah (laughs) I have to start taking this advice into consideration (laughs) that's why you got time you got time but yeah I think there's probably been times where I've made a decision against what was advised for me mm-hmm. for my own benefit but I can't think of it right now because again it's like she said it's learning like even if you get it wrong you learn from it but and you even move with on. this movie remember when you were making it you had to make a, like a really strong decision like because you had to take yes, some time yes, away I from did. work yeah that as well. actually yeah Anissa is right then even in my documentary it not even that I remember taking someone out of it because yeah. um, I just the quality wasn't there I never had time to reshoot mm-hmm. and it was really hard because I was I didn't want to and they gave a lot of time and effort you know you feel really bad but it's like other people were like no go again try again and I was like no I need to do this one thing and yeah I mean it worked out well alhamdulillah for me in the end but sometimes it doesn't work but it's just adult like you said it's an adult thing isn't it that's you have to deal with these Trust things yourself to make like the right decisions and if they don't like what do you say what's meant for you will come to you for you yeah, yeah. we'll never pass you we'll yeah there's another question I need to figure I'm going to rehearse that quote and come back to you but you go on no, so there's a, I think there's another quote and I don't know if it's Islamic as well is that what's meant to, if there's something's meant for you um, even if it's underneath two mountains you will reach it and if it's between your two teeth then you'll never even if it's between your teeth and it's not meant for you then yes. you will not reach it yes yeah yes we, we all it. need we to rehearse it. the yeah. quotes but yeah I think, <laughs> is, I think it is, is Islamic one yeah mm. I think so you have it in your camera roll. Yeah. Oh, interesting. What else was in your camera roll? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that was funny. I have a lot of quotes in my camera roll. Yeah. Anyways, next question. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. So I think the kind of the final thoughts is. 
Okay. Um, I think the kind of the final kind of roundup I kind of want to ask, especially because I think we talked about the positive aspects of community, but I do think there's also the contrast of it when communities um, are quite pedantic in terms of how we kind of live our lives. I just want to ask, like, how have you navigated that in terms of I think there's a, this whole kind of notion of what will people say and I think that's quite interesting oh, yeah. in our cultures and communities so just your thoughts on that in the last kind of couple of minutes of the show I would say obviously in the first half we spoke about how we actually love having that community aspect where we can get it but then I think again it's taking responsibility is I want to feel the community vibe up into here mm. have your own boundaries set that mm. and think you are separate from my personal decisions mm. I might need you for something else or like a, the vibes or shopping or eat or just a chit chat or a taste of home or something but set that boundary and remember where you draw the line because uh, community can't make they're not going to live your life like Anissa said you have to live with your consequences and your actions yeah absolutely i think it's what you said like as much as we want to hold on to our roots there's also so many like traits and traditions that we want to also like stay away from like we want to make sure like for our future generations we're not repeating any like negative patterns so i think that's a massive thing and i think um sorry like just going back i feel like i go through that a lot where i set a goal for myself or i do something i'm like is this actually because it's going to make me happy or is it because it's like a Mm. social standard and i think that's something we all go through we're like we kind of um like mold our kind of goals like according to social standards and I think you do have to reflect reflect back and be like okay what is what part of this is actually making me happy yeah yes and just an example on that Line is following. um we'll talk about this another show because I can go on but a wedding a South Asian wedding sometimes just that quote what Anissa said are you doing it to make others happy or are you doing that to make yourself happy and I'm taking anything from hiring a massive hall to food like what is it actually for mm. But yeah, I'll let Farine carry on. Yeah, I'm just going to take the example of the wedding. You don't want to have a big wedding and maybe broke for the rest of, you know, your marriage. <laughs> so having a small nikah is sufficient. Although, but what does it matter in a wedding? It's just the, it's halal and all of that. So but I guess it's like whatever your choice is, as long as it's your choice, yeah. your happiness. Yeah. I think it goes back to the whole theme of this, like the greed part of it. Like when you do it, like do you do it for the show? Like, you know, this is going to be look good like to other people. Like, you know, that kind of greed comes into it like with the wedding because I can sometimes find myself like, oh yeah, you want everything and then you're like, no, like I want nothing. So I think it does go, it does really tie in with greed like something like a wedding. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good way to kind of end the show because I think we've kind of discussed multiple points in terms of thinking about how community and the positive aspects of it but also how can sometimes it can restrain us and it can constrain us to notions that are not really conducive to a healthy livelihood um, and especially how we navigated it but I think one of the things that we should appreciate that our families have these traditions and they weren't given the opportunity to kind of explore other avenues and we've had that opportunity to kind of make our own responsible responsible decisions and we have the autonomy to think about ourselves and whereas they didn't and I think that's something that we should really appreciate because we have that scope they didn't yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's really important to recognise and acknowledge that. Thank you all for coming to the show today. I really appreciated this discussion and we look forward to hearing from you in the next discussion. alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at Inspirefm Luton.